HSD are experts in delivering tech solutions to the vet sector, working with clients such as the Department of Education, Skills and Employment, ASQA and the VRQA. HSD understand the complexities of VET, its systems and data. We specialise in systems integration, customer relationship management systems, Microsoft platforms and migrating organisations to the cloud. So whether you're looking for advice on integrating your systems, meeting your data reporting requirements or looking to gain insights into your stakeholders, HSD are here to help. Visit hsd.com.au or follow us on LinkedIn. A quick note and apology in advance before we jump into today's episode. Uh, as I listened back during the editing uh, process, um, it's pretty clear that I was struggling with a little bit of asthma uh, when I recorded this yesterday. So uh, apologies in advance if you hear me a little bit breathless in uh, what's to come. Um, it wasn't the excitement of the budget. Uh, it was just a little bit of asthma. And uh, anyway, I hope it doesn't interfere with your listening pleasure. Um, here's what's happening in the budget. From Claire Field and Associates, I'm Claire, and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector. Well, we're up to episode 44 of the podcast, and it has taken a little while uh, since episode 43. Apologies for uh, to regular listeners. It's just been super busy here. Um, but this week's episode is me talking you through what was in the budget and what does it mean for the sector. So there's been a bit of media already on uh, the lack of any um, emphasis or any good news, any new funding for uh, the universities. And I'll just start there um, briefly. That is true. Uh, we are still expecting, though, some research funding to be made available. Don't forget there is a research sustainability working group that a number of vice chancellors and the former minister, uh, Minister Tian, uh, put together uh, to work through different ways for how research funding will be allocated. Um, if you work in the private higher education sector or the top end of the VET sector, uh, you don't have to be a university. I think that is still important to you because the decisions taken by that research sustainability working group will influence how particularly uh, lower ranked uh, the, outside of the, the group of eight and other research intensive universities, how they are funded and therefore what courses they offer and how hard they look for um, other sources of revenue. It ties into the changes that have been introduced with the higher education provider category standards changes, a threshold of 50% of a university's research being world-class across the fields of study that they offer. So it's something that I'm thinking about and unpacking what does it mean. Some of those lower ranked universities will have to probably give up some fields of education, uh, which may present opportunities for VET providers or private higher education providers. They will also presumably be looking for other research funds depending on uh, where those final negotiations on research go. There was 
shockingly and disappointingly uh, little uh, for the international education sector. We had seen an announcement the previous week uh, and as someone who was uh, very used to budgets all being announced on budget night, it has taken a, a little bit of getting used to media releases uh, making announcements on on funding. Um, I've unpacked that in a piece for Campus Morning Mail and I will link to that in the notes for this episode. Um, while it's great to have uh, further waivers on regulatory fees and charges, uh, they don't go anywhere near uh, the kind of funding and support that uh, specialist providers, I'm thinking particularly of the English language sector and some independent um, international education providers that they will need to keep their doors open. Uh, other measures are good. Uh, the, the continued waiver on the uh, vet student loans and fee help loan administration fees, um, that's good. It may encourage some more uh, domestic students into study. But again, for specialist providers, it's not going to help the English language sector that vet student loan students are getting a, a fee waiver on their admin fee. There is um, money available in grants up to $150,000 for innovation, helping uh, specialist providers take their courses online and or offshore. I haven't seen any details on that yet, but do keep an eye out for it. Um, and there are 5,000 uh, domestic short course places for independent higher education providers. So again, I've wrapped up what I think about that in a recent Campus Morning Mail article, and I will link to that. And so then we come to the vet sector, which is awash with money, uh, which is great. For good providers with strong domestic offerings, it's fantastic. I do worry about mm, not everybody is a strong and good provider that gets funding, but that's a topic for another podcast. So uh, being positive, um, there's a lot of focus on the vet sector and its role in rebuilding um, the economy. It, I've, I've broken down because there was a swag of announcements and I've tried to chunk them together. Uh, there is overlap, you know, you can categorise, does this go as a digital skills initiative, but it's digital skills for people without foundation skills, so is it for disadvantaged learners? Uh, you can argue the toss with me later on, on my categorisations, but let's rattle through the funding measures that there were in the budget this week. $500 million over two years to extend the job trainer fund. Uh, for those of you who have government funding contracts with the states and territories, uh, that is additional money uh, flowing through those established mechanisms. If you don't have a funding contract, um, I think it's incredibly unlikely that states will go out to the market with new tenders. Um, it's another one-off shot of funding while further negotiations are going on on that longer-term funding agreement. I'll come to that at the end end of the podcast. Uh, to get that $500 million, the states have to match it uh, with $500 million of their own. And the focus will be on low fee and free training places um, in areas of skill needs, uh, which includes support for aged care training and for digital skills courses. Um, 
and eligibility in terms of students will be uh, specifically focusing on those who are continuing to be affected. Their industries are affected by um, COVID-19. And this time around, there'll be some money, $6 million for an advertising campaign, encouraging people to take up these training opportunities. Um, in terms of how many student places, uh, the budget papers seem to have different numbers in them. There's multiple uh papers in multiple different places and volumes. In one, it reads up to 450,000 places. That will be with the, the matching state territory funding. Um, in another, it's um, uh, about 170,000, 163,000 places, but that's off the back of the, the Commonwealth-only funding. So we're probably looking at um, around about 400,000 extra places over the next uh, 12 to 18 months. If you're in the apprenticeship sector, there is um, an expansion of the Boosting Apprenticeship Commencements Wage Subsidy. That's an additional $2.7 billion over four years. Um, it will uncap the number of eligible places. You might be aware there was an initial cap of about 100,000 uh, places and when they were gone that would be the wage subsidies would come to an end. Now it's been uncapped uh, and the duration of the wage subsidy is now open for 12 months from the date that the apprentice or trainee starts with their um, employer. And so rounding out the what I've called general vet funding, uh, you'll recall some years ago back when Karen Andrews was the minister, in fact, uh, the government launched the Skilling Australians Fund. Uh, there's $250 million remaining in that fund, uh, which will run through until the end of June next year. And that's uh, been agreed, you'll recall, with every state and territory except Queensland and Victoria who chose not to participate. There's still about $30 million left in infection control training in New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland. That's the, the leftover from the funding that was announced last year. There is $50 million for TAFE infrastructure over two years allocated across the different states and territories. And then a one-off for Tasmania, $13.9 million for fee-free training and support for training materials to support more training for the energy sector in Tasmania. I'm not quite sure where that's come from, although I do note that before the Tasmanian government went to its recent election, uh, it had a special committee look at um, economic rebuilding and one of the recommendations to the, the Premier was that uh, they should make their TAFE more autonomous um, and approach the Commonwealth for specific funding uh, for Tasmania and, and for their TAFE. So I'm not sure if that's wrapped up in, in, in a bit of that, but anyway, money for the energy sector in uh, Tasmania. Then aged care, obviously that was a big focus in the budget and there is a training component uh, to it. In fact, there's a total of $650 million, uh, focusing on improving the safety and quality and availability of aged care services. So initiatives that relate in some way or another to the vet sector. Of that $650 million, there's $216 million over three years to increase and upskill the workforce 
to enhance nurse leadership and clinical skills through additional nursing scholarships uh, to provide more dementia and palliative care training for aged care workers, uh, to recruit more aged care workers into regional, rural and remote areas and to provide eligible registered nurses, so um, higher education trained nurses, with additional financial support. So a suite of measures there. There is also $228 million to support the establishment of a single aged care assessment workforce for residential aged care from October next year and for home care from July 2023. So they're obviously looking at um, a single group of trained people to make determinations on eligibility for home care packages um, and uh, support for uh, people in, in residential care. $105 million to introduce nationally consistent worker screening register and code of conduct for all aged care sector workers, 91 million to support the training of 13,000 new home care workers and almost 10 million to extend the care and support workforce national campaign. Don't know enough about that to tell you and I didn't see any further details on that campaign. So in addition to aged care, there's also a key focus uh, right across the budget um, on digital, uh, digital skills, making Australia um, an, an AI hub uh, and helping improve levels of technology use um, and uh, uh, entrepreneurism right across the budget. For the vet sector, the funding and announcements include nearly $25 million over six years to establish the next generation AI graduates program to attract and retain, sorry, to attract and train AI specialists through national scholarships. It's not clear at what level, whether this will be vet or university scholarships, perhaps some of both. Um, there are no further details as I uh, rattle through these initiatives at the moment. Uh, ordinarily, when a budget's released, there's further details on departmental and other websites. But when I am recording this, that's not yet available. Uh, but obviously, um, it'll uh, be made known to the sector with, with plenty of time. In addition with digital skills, there's nearly $44 million over three years to expand the Cybersecurity Skills Partnership Innovation Fund, I'd not heard of the fund, uh, but I'm told it invests in projects to improve the quality and quantity of cybersecurity professionals in Australia, and it will also help to improve cybersecurity skills in key national priority sectors, including modern manufacturing. Please don't hack us as we try and uh, and produce our own vaccines. I think that's what we're aiming for there. Uh, Twenty-two point six million over six years to establish lots of establishment. The next generation emerging technologies graduates program, two hundred thirty-four scholarships in emerging technologies areas. Again. That probably sounds more like higher education in terms of the amount of funding, uh, but it's not clear. It may have some high-level VET uh, input as well. And then $10.7 over three years to trial up to four industry-led 
digital skills cadetship pilots to develop new and innovative pathways to increase the number of Australians with high-level digital skills. There's a number of initiatives focused on what I've crudely termed disadvantaged learners, people from uh, more disadvantaged backgrounds and provide them with, with additional skills and training. Uh, the figures aren't quite as big as some of those um, that I've previously rattled through, but there's $3 million over two years for High Resolves, which is a program I hadn't heard of, but apparently delivers a learning experience to young Australians to help build social cohesion, strength and cultural understanding and promote positive participation in their local community. So some of those of you who work in the community sector, that may be of relevance to you. Another $2.9 million for the Commonwealth Scholarships Program for Young Australians to support up to 240 training scholarships for young people aged 15 to 24 years in 10 regions um, across the country. 213 million over four years to expand the local jobs program to 51 employment regions and take it out through to June 2025. The local jobs program apparently supports tailored approaches to accelerate reskilling, upskilling and employment pathways in selected regions and it will be particularly focused on recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. Another $15.6 to increase all wage subsidies to $10,000 for eligible, eligible participants in Job Active, Transition to Work and Parents Next to incentivise employers to hire eligible disadvantaged job seekers and $23.6 over four years to support foundation skills by uncapping the C program, the Skills for Education and Employment program increasing project funding to accelerate the inclusion of digital skills training for job seekers in the program, additional funding for foundation skills policy development and leveraging the reading writing hotline to promote the foundation skills guarantee. And then we heard quite a bit pre-budget and during the budget on women. Uh, in terms of higher education and VET, there is $42.4 million over seven years to establish the Boosting the Next Generation of Women in Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics program by co-funding scholarships for women in STEM in partnership with industry. It's not clear how that will work, but it's very good. More next generation every Every program that I think I've rattled through is a new next generation program. Uh, also for women, 12.2 million to fund an additional round of the National Careers Institute partnership grants to support projects that facilitate career opportunities and career pathways for women. And then expanding something called the Mid-Career Checkpoint Program to Victoria beyond existing pilots in Queensland and New South Wales and expanding eligibility to include people who have been absent from work due to caring responsibilities for six months or more and existing workers at risk of unemployment primarily targeting female-dominated COVID-19 affected industries. Training grants of up to $3,000 will also be available 
to support skills and training needs to increase employability and support career advancement. And then there are a couple of changes that uh, receive no attention because most people don't look at them unless they're nerds like me. And they're what I've called vet sector governance reforms. So the first one and most um, shocking and also not shocking was 285 million over five years and then after that 74 million per year ongoing as part of the Commonwealth's commitment to provide stronger support for skills reform. And you may want to know what that specifically means. What are we doing when we're supporting stronger skills reform? Well, we've got nearly 150 million over four years to establish up to 15 industry-owned skills enterprises. So we've gone from skills service organisations, we're piloting skills organisations, and now we're going to spend $150 million to establish up to 15 industry-owned skills enterprises, and they're going to deliver improved skills and workforce outcomes through collaboration with industry and to ensure that the VET system is responsive to industry and employer skill needs. And honestly, I've been working in it far too long and we've been trying that for a long time. So let's hope this time we get it right. Um, a little bit more, there's very little detail on these skills enterprises as I record this. But what there is describes them as clusters, which will, quote, ensure a strong strategic industry voice drive collaboration across sectors by breaking down silos, address strategic workforce challenges and improve the speed to market of qualifications to meet evolving industry needs. Strengthening the role of industry in the VET system will mean qualifications are aligned to the skills that are in demand by employers, increase workforce productivity and get more learners into jobs. No details yet, finished quoting, no details yet on how the clusters will be configured or the timing of the changes. They read, obviously, like the next rollout of the old now, uh, Joyce Review recommendations. So these new uh, skills enterprise clusters will have responsibility for training package development and will have some form of industry ownership, which is what... Uh, Joyce suggested, and we'll wait and see what else they will do. It's unclear if they will sit alongside or replace the skills service organisations and whether a pilot skills organisation will morph into one or will it sit off the side? Who knows? Uh, there will also be, going back to how that money's all being spent on uh, VET sector, what are we doing? We're doing sp support for skills reform. There's also 69 million over five years to establish what's being called a new VET national data asset. By leveraging the existing capability of the ABS, that's the Australian Bureau of Statistics, multi-agency data integration project. And what that's going to do is measure VET outcomes at the provider level, as well as at course level. So, it's the piece of work on how well do students do at each provider 
like we have in higher education with the quilt data, the quality indicators for learning and teaching. Uh, this is the vet sector's version of that, but I think it is noticeable that it has not been extra funding going to the NCVR and instead the money is going to the ABS to do that. And then finally, $31 million over four years to redesign and rebuild the National Training Register, that's training.gov.au to you and I. And the text in the budget papers says this is going to provide greater transparency of training packages and improved information about work placements and assessment. Now, I'm taking that uh, language assessment to um, refer to ASQA's audit summaries. Uh, I think they've switched their language to talk more about their assessments of providers. And you'll recall that we've had uh, a number of reviews now um, making the case for ASQA to publish uh, its audit reports. Uh, so my um, reading of that is that this change to TGA in amongst other things and improvements it might make is also to allow for that uh, publication of uh, audit reports or at least audit summaries, which again follows on from what we have in higher education with that information um, available on the TEXA website. So that's it, uh, a summary of what was and wasn't in the budget. Uh, I hope you found it useful and we'll be back to normal programming with some interviews with some great guests uh, on future episodes of the podcast. Thanks for listening. 